This is a podcast entitled, What We Will Abide. This episode is called, Does God Believe in Atheism? and includes a good deal of recording I made of a class I taught at the TVA school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, this past Monday night. The class itself was called, Does God Believe in Atheism? and had in it about 16 adults from the local community. Chris Hedges says that the new atheists, like Hitchens and Dawkins and Sam Harris, essentially espouse the same message as religious fundamentalists. And there's a whole spectrum of belief between those two pretty dismissive extremes. Quickly as an aside, religious fundamentalism, the term fundamentalist, is a problem because it assumes that there are religious fundamentals that everyone can agree on, which of course we know is not true. In Monday night's class, we considered these ideas, and we read selections from these new atheists. In his 2007 book, God is Not Great, Hitchens says the following, What happens to the faith healer and the shaman when any poor citizen can see the full effect of drugs or surgeries administered without ceremonies or mystifications? Roughly the same thing as happens to the rainmaker when the climatologist turns up, or to the diviner from the heavens when school teachers get hold of elementary telescopes. Hitchens is being dismissive here, which is pretty much his M.O. when discussing elements of religion of any kind. This particular quote refers to shamans as a part of a world that's long gone a world in which progress and science have replaced their mystical fakery. Shamans may have done their work in caves that have been discovered by archaeologists after they lay in disuse for some 20,000 years. In class, we looked at an image that's been called the sorcerer or the magician. It's a sketch made of a now badly eroded cave painting found in Les Trois Fleuves in southwestern France, one of the many staging areas for these cave paintings. The image is of what seems to be a mammal with the parts of several different kinds of animals all in one. In Daniel Quinn's The Story of Bee, one of his characters describes the image this way. Quote, It has the antlers and body of a stag, the ears of a lion, the face of the owl, and the tail and genitals of a horse. And there's not the slightest indication he's wearing a mask. In class, I offer my explanation, culled from Quinn and others, as to what the image might mean. This touches off a bit of an argument about the efficacy of shamanism versus science and medicine per Hitchens. Towards the end, one member of the class offers his own feelings on the matter of shamans. So what we might be looking at in the second image... Lots of theories about this, but what we might be looking at is actually one of those shamanistic figures. <laughs> it might be. So what we're looking at here, as you, <laughs> as we've learned, is um, a representation again of human life in and among animal life. 
or non-human life. <clears throat> Representing again this idea that the human beings understand themselves as being part of a larger biological continuum, um, wherein they perhaps even see themselves as being these animals. There's a, um, a famous, have you ever heard of Farley Mott, the great nature writer? <laughs> right. Yes. He got arrested for shooting his 22 at a, a U.S. Air Force plane flying over his house. With a 22. Good luck. Anyway, I, I think that he just died recently. He was in his mid 90s. He just died. Anyway, he wrote numbers of books. Um, he, in the 1940s, I believe, um, he profiled a group of indigenous people. I think somewhere in Canada, Western Canada, the Barons out there, the Ihomayat. Um, and Quinn talks about them in uh, the story of me. And um, talks about how they call themselves, some of you probably know this, the people of the deer. Because they saw themselves as being like the deer um, that, I guess, once or twice a year came through their territory on these long, huge lines that would go on for days. Um, they would kill a few of them, understanding, of course, if you kill all of them, then you have nothing to eat. Use the meat for food, use the bones for weapons, and to build their temporary residences and for tools, using the entirety of the animal. And of course, even killing the antelope, the deer, to them was, just like we discussed, a painful process, wherein they had their own mythological system to cope with that pain. They saw themselves, they call themselves the people, and they call themselves the people of the deer because they saw, as they say, in his profile, in Maud's profile, they saw life through the eyes of the deer because they were so dependent on the deer for survival. So what we might have here is an example of exactly that. A group of people, hunter-gatherer people, who understood themselves as being not just in concert with the rest of natural life, but it, the natural life itself, mm -hmm. inseparable from it. We have our own myopic like cultural view of what a shaman is, but shamans, like we're talking about healers from like ten thousand yes. cultures, and they all have their different healing modalities. They're all different. You can't throw them all in one bucket. And we're talking about is this a thing that happened a long time ago? And there are modern day healers, there are modern day shamans and herbalists, and and it's not even like a placebo effect. It's like we're talking about cultures that co-evolved with plants and yes. right. modalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would that be respectful? For well, the shamanism debate wasn't resolved. And it won't be because our culture is so dead set on actively forgetting the life before. It's what Daniel Quinn calls the great forgetting, in which we actively, purposefully forget the prehistory, the world of the hunter-gatherers. In order to justify the choices that this culture has made, no matter how destructive they are. Things shift when I return to two questions I asked at the top of the class. Number one, what do atheists believe? And number two, what do people who believe in God believe? So I wrote down an atheist believes in separation and believes that we are alone. And that a theist believes in connection and believes that we are part of something else. I used to identify with atheism for a very long time, and then I got reached a point where I felt like, as me, as an atheist, I was disconnecting myself from higher power, from things I couldn't explain, and things that were unclear to me. And so you wanted to be separate from that? I don't know if I wanted to, but I felt like I was. Yeah. I had some thoughts in response to your talk on atheism. Um, I'm not religious. I 
don't call myself atheist, but I feel like I live a life that would be more atheistic. And I feel opposite of what you're saying of atheism. I actually feel very one with the earth. I've become this hobbyist farmer. I feel very connected with my animals. And I feel like we're all one, and I feel like sometimes religion is the opposite of what I feel. That it doesn't feel connected with the earth. It feels connected with things not of this world. Follow up to that because I happen to know that you're a farmer. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think that uh, it doesn't sound like you're talking about atheism. It sounds like you're talking about deep spirituality. I don't know what that means when people say they're spiritual. She sounds like an animist to me. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like when I just when I when I was writing my definition of like atheist and theist, I wasn't writing a definition of like modern day Christianity. I'm thinking like belief in the God or gods or something greater than ourselves. But now, in three minutes, you want me to fill the void of, well, if you don't believe in any of that, what do you believe? And you're like, oh my goodness, three minutes? We're not going to come up with the same idea. None of us. We put us in a room for years, and we're not going to come up with anything remotely the same. That makes me very happy. Right. So, question number one is a big blank. I should have left this completely blank, because... There's no, I believe I'm blank. You're not. You're not. Get, you know. You're not getting graded at the end of this. Right. But that's there that, will be a test. I'm just not. But no. But that's the problem I have with the questions. Now I feel in three minutes I got to fill the void of. Uh, but see, it's a bit of an artifice on my part because you don't have three minutes. You have the rest of your life. Wow. Well, right. <laughs> right. And you know what? I still won't be able to fill it in that. When you said like you feel very connected to like your animals, and like it kind of occurred to me like well, they're still like your animals. You know, like they're on your farm. Like they're like your like livestock like you don't like live with them you know what i mean and it kind of like reminded me how like in christianity specifically like earth was given to man to farm like to farm and like you know like control it basically and i kind of like i don't really believe in christianity and i don't really believe in like that whole like, earth was given to man thing either but like it struck me that that kind of sounded to me like a little bit of a christian thing to say in that like they were your animals not like i was like like you don't like live with the animals like they're your animals, you know what I mean? I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure even what I meant when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> the way I would answer these questions is atheists believe you gotta figure it out for yourself. Someone believes in God, believes that someone's already figured out and is telling what to do. Mm -hmm. So by temperament, they're already rubbing their own way. But I think what Mika's getting at is by um, not taking the dictates from a higher power, you got to go out and see it every day. You see how the animals treat each other, you see how they respond to you, and it's more of a learn as you go process as opposed to somebody already figured it out. Here's your book, do what it says. Yeah. I would like to challenge you on the whole if you are in the second category that someone has figured it out for you that across the board, each and all, each and every one of the four billion or so people who claim to believe in God, for counting Muslims and Hindus and Jews and Christians have had, are, are subscribed to that, are like, yes, please, give me this portion of meat on my plate and I will consume it and then I will know all. Is there no room in those spaces for conjecture? Is there no room for contemplation? Is there no room for a person to kind of figure it out for themselves, even if they're on the God side? That's where I think religion began. I mean, if you look at, if you actually read the Bible, it's a series of questions. Unfortunately, that document has been taken and turned into a book full of answers. I mean, what, what was Jesus all about? 
telling stories that had no answers. Figure it out for yourself. Figure it out for yourself. Unfortunately, what I think is happening in organized religion is we took it from a idea of mythos of trying to understand, and we took it into indoctrination, be on my team, so we can defeat the other guys. Armstrong says logos has done away with mythos. It's all logos and no mythos now. Yeah. That's I think what you're saying. Yeah. I'm really kind of dense, but I was thinking this <laughs> definition is pretty simple. Atheist is against against theism against the belief that there is a God. We're talking about all the implications of that, right. but isn't it just simply meaning you don't believe that there is a higher power, whereas a person who believes in God believes that there is? So I define an atheist as someone who believes that the universe and its operation is a purely natural set of phenomena, right? That it just exists through natural processes. Physical. Right? Physical, natural. Physical, right. That and therefore so can't be metaphysical or, or not metaphysical. It's right. a physical. There's a physical reality right. that can eventually be measured. Right. right. That's what uh, an atheist believes. Yeah. Now, it's a good where where I have sort of resolved the question of the mystery is, is here. I do receive the authority of the physicists and others who have described the size and the scale of the universe in which we live. That it's composed of billions of galaxies, composed of billions of solar systems, composed of hundreds of planets, and we're on one of them, right? I've come to conclude that on our planet here, we live within a physical reality that has resulted in the uh, evolution of complex organisms such as ourselves, that have evolved to perceive the world upon which we live. Okay. So that we have organs to process light and sound waves and, and temperature fluctuations and whatever the case might be, right? But I do not take that to the point that some of my um, chemist friends especially do, that defines everything that exists on this planet is how it exists everywhere in every galaxy throughout the infinite space of the cosmos. And that there are, in fact, there is, I will, I will Which allow there to be the possibility that there are forces in the universe which we cannot perceive. So, like string theory. Like string theory. We're just basically going turtles all the way down. So, as an example. <laughs> it's uh, basically there was this guy who got a discussion with this woman who literally believed that the earth was sitting on a turtle. And the guy was like, Well, if we're sitting on a turtle, what's the turtle sitting on? Uh, another turtle. And a lot of what we've been discussing here this tonight is it's a paradox. I mean, the two of you sat right next to each other and said the opposite, but actually the same thing. And either you agree with each other or you don't. I haven't figured it out yet. I don't really know. And then James Gurney called you a Christian. So <laughs> there's all kinds of paradoxes. All kinds of paradoxes. All kinds of paradoxes. If we're if we're to say that all of these religious and belief systems are a way for you know justifying and creating morality that allows us to live functional lives, and semi-functional, semi-functional. <laughs> more functional than without. Hopefully. Um, then if we don't believe in these systems, but we still need that function, 
I guess, I guess like I feel like there's a human need for that morality to have more meaning than just like you know gets the bits in a row. I like your question very much, and I um, I wonder I wonder if it isn't just enough for the bits to be in a row. I'm always accused of. Um, there's one particular person who accuses me of saying, "Well, if you hate civilization so much, would you give up?" all the art, and all the music, and all the literature, and all the poetry. And my answer is, well, there was that before civilization. And that is not to say that I don't love all, you're a musician, right? All the music, and all the art, and all the poetry. Um, but I, again, like I, I, the bits being in a row, I don't see the bits being in a row right now, is the thing. Yeah. Bits are way, way out of row. <laughs> way the hell out of row. It seems we end the class on a somber note, but it fits the theme of what this podcast is really all about. I'll talk more about that in later episodes. Thanks for listening. Original music is by Morning Stillness. The song is called Black Vulture. I see the black vulture picking at the carcass in the road. Here's the purifier, new messiah, times yet to unfold. The world messes done.